Oh, good morning. It's an honor and delight to be here with all of you this morning. Although I now live in Dallas, Texas, I was born and raised on a dairy farm in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And so it's always good for me to get back home, and it's such a delight to be here with you. I so appreciate the off the simple and to the point introduction that your pastor gave me. I told the people in the first service, when you travel as a speaker, you get every introduction under the sun, but they're not always good news. Some time ago, I was speaking up in Michigan for a week-long conference. The pastor got up on opening night. What he actually wanted to say to people was, no matter he came here on Saturday, he'll be here all week, we're looking forward to that, then he'll be leaving us next Saturday. But it was a pastor who had a reputation for getting tongue-tied in the pulpit. And sure enough, he introduced me. What he said to a packed house was, Larry came here on Saturday. He'll be here all week. He leaves us next Saturday, and we're looking forward to that. <laughs> so I sincerely appreciate all the kind production. But by the way, I've had about 17 people ask me, since you now live in Dallas, Texas, are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? And my answer is yes, but not this weekend. This weekend, I'm an avid Washington Redskins fan. I love the Redskins. <laughs> My mother did not raise any good-looking kids, but she didn't raise any dumb ones. <laughs> and I love the Redskins. One of the reasons they did not do well last season is they've been watching the Cowboys too long. Uh, but it's such a delight to be here with you. And as I told the folks last night, there is no one who steps on a platform anywhere in the United States of America any more grateful to God than I do. Because I never have time to give my life story. But I was born with an inherited speech defect, inherited from my dad's side of the family, an inherited speech defect from birth that was so severe I could not pronounce the word the, T-H-E. And therefore, medical doctor Tobin gave up all hope of ever being a public speaker. One day, seeing high school with my head between my hands so no one could see I was crying because I had just been ridiculed what seemed like the 550th time, I told God, if you'll help with this defect, I will always use my voice for you. Starting that week, I started having control I had never had in my entire life. And that was the year speech therapy brought me to where I am today. But when you come from that kind of background, you don't take one opportunity for granted. It does not matter if it's an audience of 10 or an audience of 10,000. And it's such a delight to be here with you. But this morning, I would like to ask and answer a question I get asked a lot of questions about. And that is, why does anyone need religion when you already have so many other problems? Why does anyone need religion when you already have so many other problems? And if you have your Bibles, may I ask you to take them and turn with me to three of the most exciting sentences in the entire Bible. They're found in the second half of the Bible, a part called the New Testament, that first book called Matthew, Chapter 11, I'd like to start reading at the 28th verse. Matthew chapter 11, I'd like to start reading at verse 28. If you're here this morning and don't have a Bible with you, may I encourage you to look on someone's near you. Or if you have two Bibles, like a husband and a wife, may I encourage you to look around you. And if you see someone without a Bible, be so kind to take one of yours and share with them. I want you to know where God said first what I'm only going to repeat. So you have a Bible in front of you. It turns me to Matthew chapter 11. I'd like to start reading at the 28th verse. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Every single one of us have them. Now, some of us have more than others. And some of us feel like every time they come, they come in a giant-sized package. But every single one of us have them. Now, the simple thing I'm referring to is a serious thing called problems. In fact, some of us feel so overwhelmed by our problems. The pulling in the driveway at night is no easier than backing out in the morning. Crawling underneath the covers is no easier than crawling out. In fact, Reader Digest one time told about a man that every night he came home from work. As soon as he hit the door, his wife would hit him with the calamities of the day. And one night he said to her, honey, before you hit me with everything that's gone wrong, could you at least let me sit down and enjoy a good nice meal? And the next night, as soon as he walked in the door, his wife looked at him and said, honey, hurry up and eat. I have something terrible to tell you. <laughs> but if you were to ask the average person, what is your biggest problem? They would tell you they're having problems in one of all of four different areas. There's, first of all, problems with the family, problems with the marriage, problems with the parents, problems with the children, problems with the in-laws, problems with the outlaws. In fact, some of us have so many problems in the area of our family, we feel like they've been there from day one. I love the story of the husband and wife on the way to their honeymoon, and he looked at her and said, Honey, now since we are married... I hope you don't mind if I point out a few defects I have noticed about you. She said, not at all. It was those same defects that kept me from getting a better husband. <laughs> and even though we've been to all kinds of seminars, read all kinds of books, and talked to all kinds of people, the problems still seem to be there. I love this tour of the husband and wife that are walking out of the office of the marriage counselor. And she looked at him and she said, now since we have learned how to communicate, Back off. <laughs> but a second place where people tell you having problems is in the area of finances. Now, the way you spell that is M-O-N-E-Y, money. A man one time made the comment, when I was young, I used to think that money was the most important thing in life. Now that I'm older, I know it is. <laughs> it's interesting to me that Lenny Crosby, the youngest son of Bing Crosby by his first marriage, committed suicide in an apartment in California at the age of 51. And the apparent reason was he had just found out his mother's inheritance would no longer be coming to him. And a person in the situation well made the comment, he just couldn't face the future without money. But a third place where people tell you having problems is in the area of job. Don't like the work, don't like the workers, can't stand the business, can't stand the boss. In fact, a recent survey revealed that 50% of all Americans are very dissatisfied with their jobs. I love this story of the first grader, the, of the school teacher, that saw her first grader crying in the wind. And she walked down in front of him, tenderly knelt, rubbed his cheek, and she said, Honey, what's wrong? And he said, I don't like this place. I gotta stay here till I'm 18. And she started to cry. <laughs> And he said, what's wrong with you? She said, I don't like it either. I got to stay at home 65. <laughs> but a fourth area of people tell you having problems is in the area of personal circumstances. But that I mean there are temptations they have not been able to avoid. Habits they have not been able to quit. 
ones that are wrecking their lives, destroying their marriages, and making them feel absolutely worthless. It's interesting to me that in Leningrad, Russia, there's a statue of Ivan the Terrible with his arm pointed up, urging his country forward, and he was known as the czar of all czars. But he was so given to fits of anger that one time in one of those outbursts, he killed his own son. When he came to the end of his life, he said, I've conquered all kinds of empires. But I've never learned how to conquer myself. And for that reason, I was to say, please, don't bother me with religion. I have all the problems I need. Because when they think of Christ, they think of religion. And they have two basic reactions. On the one hand, they feel it's absolutely boring. Because they feel all you do is go to a dead church to see sad people, listen to a boring preacher, talk about a pitiful subject. In fact, some time ago, a pastor called a woman who had not been to church for some time. And he said, where have you been? And she said, well, you know how it is. The kids have been sick, and then it just rain, 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 rain. He said, well, why don't you come to church? It's always dry there. She said, yes, in fact, that's another reason I've not been coming. It's just so dry there. Some time ago, I'm out with some teenagers in a major city. And we asked people the question, when you think of church, what do you think of? The four biggest reactions were God, Jesus, buildings, and boring. But the second reaction people have is, it's absolutely frustrating. Because most of us work on the basis that in order to get to heaven, you have to be good. So, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Just might not get to heaven if you do. And what is so frustrating, we feel it does not matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. Some time ago, a Houston newspaper told about a woman who was a bus driver that was received the outstanding award for outstanding years of safety as a bus driver. When her colleagues found out about it, they were so excited. They asked her, if she would drive them the award ceremony. On the way to the award ceremony, probably out of excitement, she turned the corner too sharp, the bus overturned, and 16 people had been treated for minor injuries. And when the award ceremony found out about it, they canceled her award. And we feel that was so frustrating, it doesn't matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. And for that reason, there are those who say, please, don't bother me with religion. I have all the problems I need. Some time ago, well-known personality, Ted Turner, stood up in the audience and he said, the further I got from religion, the better off I was. And the place broke up in applause. Well, this morning, I have something awfully exciting to tell you. And it's a promise Christ made to people who were just as frustrated as some of us might be. And that promise could be contained in 12 words, and that is, if you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Well, you look how it starts in verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the only thing I regret is you cannot hear him say, come to me, instead of hearing me say it, so you would know how much love there is behind those words. Because some of us have had more people tell us to leave than have ever had to tell us to come. In fact, some time ago, I was in a fast food restaurant. A man walked in rather poorly dressed, Needed a light for a cigarette. Seeing a woman with a cigarette lighter, he walked over to her and said, May I have a light? She lit his cigarette and then she said, Now get out of here. 
Husbands have told wives to leave. Wives have told husbands to leave. Parents have told children to leave. Children have told parents to leave. But Christ says, come to me. Look again at verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and every laden, and I will give you rest. Now, why does he say, all you labor and every laden? Because in this context, he has talked to people who are fed up with religion. Because the two groups of people, known as the proud Pharisees and the sad Sadducees, who had all kinds of regulations to follow, be accepted by God. They said, you could not talk to a woman in the street. Nope. Not even your own wife. They said, if you throw a piece of fruit up in the air with your right hand, and while it's in the air, the Sabbath comes in, when it comes down, you better catch with the same hand you threw it up. Otherwise, you have worked and you have broken the Sabbath. Now, doesn't that sound like a fruity idea? <laughs> they said, on certain days, you couldn't hit your donkey with a whip. And I promise you, had you been living that day, you had not felt like hitting a donkey with a whip. It felt like hitting a Pharisee with a donkey. <laughs> and they had all kinds of regulations to follow to be accepted by God. You might be saying, but Larry, that's exactly how I feel. All it is is a bunch of regulations, a list of do's and don'ts. The way we expressed it when I was a teenager was, you cannot drink, you cannot chew, you dare not go to girls who do. <laughs> On the one hand, we feel you have to go to church. For the life of us, we can't figure out, why don't you feel any different when you leave than when you came in? And furthermore, deep down in the pit of our stomach, we know we live a better life without going to church than many of those who go. We feel you have to keep the Ten Commandments. And the first problem a lot of us have is, we don't have the foggiest idea of what they are. In fact, one time some young people asked, can anyone give me one of the Ten Commandments that only contain four words? One boy stood up and said, yes. Keep off the grass. <laughs> Christ is saying, whatever your frustration, whatever you discuss, come to me. Look again at verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and laden, and I will give you rest. Now, why does he say, and I will give you rest? Because there's something he wants everyone to understand, and that is eternal life is free. You don't get to heaven by going to church, living good, being baptized, keep commandments, or take the sacraments. You can live a better life than you fear your neighbor lives, or a better life than you fear the Pope lives. That will not get you to heaven. You can give God one-tenth of everything you make, or keep one-tenth and give the rest to him. That will not get you to heaven. You can go to church two Sundays a year, Christmas or Easter, or you can stay to home and go to the rest. That will not get you to heaven. Because all of us have sinned, and a punishment for that sin is death. What the Bible is saying is 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came in the world. He took your sin and my sin, your wrong and my wrong, placed upon himself. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He took our punishment. He saved us by dying for us. Some time ago in North Carolina, there was an 11-year-old boy got in big trouble in a lake. Two men saw him, they rushed out to him, and they got trouble. A man who was an expert swimmer saw all happen. He rushed out to two men and got them to shore. Then he rushed out the 11-year-old boy and got him to shore. But just as he gave him that one last push that took him all the way to shore, probably out of fatigue and the smallmouth current in the lake, it pulled him in underneath, and he died. But he saved those others by dying for them. 
He died in their place. Well, the Bible is saying Jesus Christ came to me in the world. He took your sin and my sin, placed upon himself. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He took our punishment and rose again the third day. And that's why you cannot get to heaven. By going to church, living good, being baptized. Because a punishment for your sin has already been taken. He took it. But 2,000 years ago, he died in your place. All you can do is come to the sinner, recognize Christ died for you, and trust in Christ alone. Not Christ and your good life. Not Christ and your baptism. But Christ alone as your only way to heaven. And Christ who simply said, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Some time ago, I spoke in Colorado. A couple who owned, those book, owned a bookstore who knew how much I loved to read said to me, we want you to go into that bookstore, pick out $75 worth of books, and they're yours free. And when I went in that bookstore, all I could do was receive a gift. The price has already been paid. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to receive it as a gift because the price has already been paid. And that's why verse 20 says, it says, Come to me, all you neighbor them, hey them, and I will give you rest. Because the moment you trust Christ, you know beyond any doubt, you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. In fact, the word rest there actually means relief. You don't have to get up in the morning and say, where would I go if I died today? You can pass a car accident, you don't have to say, what if it happened to me? You can read that one out of every four families being struck with cancer. It does not have to nerve you. Because you know beyond any doubt, you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. And the interesting thing is, God in kindness I do not deserve. Has allowed me to speak in almost every state, over 60 foreign locations. I've seen people going in and out of all kinds of temples. I have never heard one of them say, I know I'm going to heaven. Christ says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you place your trust in Christ, you know beyond any doubt you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. That's relief. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. You say, but then, Larry, why go to church? Why live a good life? Why try to do what's right? Would you believe that's the next thing he addresses? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and loading heart. You will find rest for your souls. The word yoke referred to wooden frame placed upon the shoulders that made a load easier to bear. And this context is referring to his instructions in how to live a life honoring to God. So the first thing he's inviting you to do is come to him. Receive completely free the gift of life eternal. Then he's inviting you to learn more about him. He says that. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As you learn more about him, he'll show you how to live a life of fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put in your life what should be there and take out what should not be there. And the exciting thing is, when you're learning from Christ, you're learning from someone who's gentle and lowly in heart. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. In other words, he is humble instead of haughty. Some time ago, I spoke with North Dakota. On the way back, the plane connected in Denver. And when it did, 
a movie star that all of you know stepped on the plane. As soon as he did, in a very haughty and high-minded way, he said, Hello, all you fellow Americans. I was so turned off by his arrogance. Although I knew who he was, I felt like saying, Hello, whoever you are. (laughs) Do you know how exciting it is to learn from someone like that? It's just about as exciting as taking your mother along on your honeymoon. (laughs) But you learn from Christ, you're learning from someone who's gentle and lowly in heart. Again, verse 29 says, For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And that's why verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First of all, all you're doing is respond to the one who gave you the free gift of eternal life. That's not hard to do. And secondly, the whole time he's so showing you how to live, in the humble way, he's right in there helping you live it. And that's why verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Again, all you're doing is respond to the one who gave you the free gift of eternal life. That's not hard to do. Then secondly, the whole time he's showing you how to live, He's right in there helping you live it. And again, that's why he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you do wrong, he's sympathetic and he's understanding. He's not like the policeman who saw a car parked by a fire hydrant. And he noticed they had a just married sign on the back. So he gave him two tickets. One marked his, the other marked hers. (laughs) You know what was the biggest problem before I came to Christ? I mean, I'll just be up front. I had one fierce temper. They never need a stove around our house before I came to Christ. They just got me mad. I could cook anything. <laughs> One day I cooked the Thanksgiving turkey in 10 minutes. <laughs> but when I came to Christ, as my dear wife will tell you, he just taught me how to take one day at a time and not get so ticked off if life did not go my way. Some of us are here and you're so worried. Worried about the future. Worried about the finances. Worried about your health. Worried about the children. You're like the woman who had a man say to her, will you marry me? She said, I will not marry anyone unless they make at least 70000 a year. How much did you make last year? He said, I made 10000 the whole year. She said, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> when you come to Christ, he'll show you how to take all those anxieties and place them on his shoulders. And his shoulders are so much bigger than yours. Well, I say if you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. For the first time in life, you know you're going straight to heaven when you die. That is relief. Capital R, capital E, capital L, capital I, capital E, capital F. That's relief. And then as you learn more about him, he in that gentle and lowly way will show you how to live life for fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put your life where should be there, take out what should not be there. And that's why living for him becomes a delight, not a duty. Relationship, not regulations. Life, not laws. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. We have an advertisement today that goes like this. How do you spell relief? The answer is, Rolades. To the benefit of religion crisis, how do you spell relief? J-E-S-U-S. C-H-R-I-S-T. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. And that's why if you throw away religion, you have not made any mistake. You ought to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. 
But if you throw away Jesus Christ, you have made the biggest mistake of living. Some years ago, so you might remember reading about it because it made national news, happened right here on the East Coast. A woman was driving home on an expressway right here on the East Coast. And she looked through a rearview mirror and saw this big truck right on her bumper. Recognizing that is too close, she sped up. Only other trucks beat right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again. Only other trucks beat right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again. Only other trucks beat right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. This time, starting to panic, she headed for the nearest exit. Only other truck driver get right off the exit with her, keeping right on her bumper. She drove in the nearest convenience store she could find, only have the truck driver drive in the convenience store with her, keeping right on her bumper. She jumped out of that car, and as fast as her legs would carry her, ran into that store. Only have the truck driver jump out of his truck, and as fast as his legs would carry him, run to the back door of her car, and pull from it a long, thirst-after rapist. What he could see from his elevated position that she couldn't was that he would just huck her down there, waiting for a chance to make his attack. And she thought he was out to harm, he was only out to help. You might be here today, and you might feel like religion has done you a lot of harm, and for all I know, it has. Religion has harmed a whole lot of people. But Christ is not out to harm. He's out to help. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you know, you're going straight to heaven when you die. That's the most relaxing life known to man. That is relief. And then as you learn more about him, he in the humble way will show you a life of fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put in your life what should be there and take out what should not be there. And that's why living for me comes a delight, not a duty. Relationship, not regulations. Life, not laws. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. If you understand what I've just explained, you now know why. God, in kindness I do not deserve, has allowed me to speak in almost every state, over 60 foreign locations. I have met people by the thousands who have said to me, the one thing I regret in life is I did not come to Christ sooner than I did. I have not met one person on earth who ever said to me, I am sorry I came to Christ. Not one. Now you know why. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Let's bow our heads and even our hearts, so to speak, in prayer. And this morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I would like to ask the most important question that a friend could ever ask, and I hope I can call myself your friend. And that is, if you were to die right now, not tonight, this morning, do you know beyond any doubt you'd go straight to heaven when you die? I think there are those here who say, Larry, I've never understood it before. 
I've never known it was a free gift. I have never known the trust in Christ makes you forever a citizen of heaven. You know what's exciting? I mean exciting. You could trust Christ right there, right now. Right there in that chair, the Savior could become your Savior. In a second, I'm going to say a prayer. The kind of prayer you can use. If right now you want to tell God you're trusting Christ. Now, saying this prayer does not save you. It's trusting Christ that saves. Prayer is only how you tell God what you're doing. But right now you want to trust Christ. This is how you can tell God that. Just in the quietness of your seat, the privacy of your heart. Dear God, I come to you now. And I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Go ahead, tell God that. I admit I'm a sinner. As a sinner, I deserve hell. Tell God that. As a sinner, I deserve hell. But I now understand Jesus Christ died for me. Tell God that. I now understand Jesus Christ died for me. He took my place and punishment and rose again the third day. Tell God that. He took my place and punishment and rose again the third day. And right now, God, sitting in this seat, I place my trust in Christ alone. As my only way to heaven. I trust you as my personal savior. Thank you for the free gift of everlasting life. I just this moment received. Now, as heads about eyes are closed, may I say two things. If you sat there in that seat and you sincerely trusted Christ, the Bible, not me, the Bible says, God just gave you free the gift of eternal life. Everything you do from this morning out is a thank you to God for what he just did today. May I encourage you to live the rest of your life as a thank you letter to God. Week by week and month by month. Let him take out of your life what should not be there and put in what should be there. And secondly, don't be ashamed or embarrassed to tell anybody, I trusted Christ today. When Christ died on the cross, he was not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed to tell anybody, I trusted Christ today as my personal Savior. Live the rest of your lives as a thank you to God. And don't be ashamed to tell anybody, I trusted Christ today as my personal Savior. He was not ashamed of you, I beg you, don't be ashamed of him. Our gracious Father, we cannot thank you enough, even though we did it a million times, that when you devised the way to heaven, you did not ask us for advice. Because we not understanding love would have made it so difficult and complicated. But you loving the way we've never understood, L-O-V-E, made it so simple, whoever wants to can come. Lord, we pray for those who trust you, may they not be ashamed to say so. Could the rest of their life be a thank you there to you. And Lord, for those of us who have known you for some time, it's only January of 2014. 
Help us live this year, not for things, but for people. Remind us the only thing we can take with us to heaven is a friend. And help us live this year, not for things, but for people. For we ask in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.